Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Star of Rock Murders with Andy Hale, a podcast where we have been exploring and dissecting a tragic triple murder that took place in 1960 in the scenic Star of Rock State Park, where three women were brutally bludgeoned to death. My client, Chester Weger, was a 21-year-old dishwasher at the Star of Rock Lodge who was arrested for the horrific crimes and convicted and served over 60 years in prison. Chester's currently 83 years old and out of prison on parole. In this episode, we want to give you the breaking news of our long-awaited DNA results. We had planned this podcast to kind of coincide with when we thought the DNA was going to hit. As you all know, it took longer than we thought, and I'm actually glad that it did because along the way, we got some huge developments. We learned about the Zelensek memo, the telephone operator, hearing two guys talking about bloody overalls in the trunk of a car. We heard about a man from Hennepin who said Smokey Rona was involved with the mob and a guy wanted his wife hit, one of the husbands. And then we heard in bonus episode number one, the biggest break so far, a woman saying her grandfather was in the mob and told her a deathbed confession of how he had picked, handpicked the men who went down there to kill all three women because one of the husbands wanted his wife dead. I mean, a stunning development. And now we've got the DNA results. We submitted this DNA for test this evidence months ago. We did so because there's new technology today, very advanced scientific techniques, even though the evidence is over 60 years old, we were hoping there might be something, just one thing, one piece of evidence that we could get nuclear DNA. And you know what? We did. We did. And we're going to tell you about that here today. We're ecstatic to be able to give you these results. We're joined again by the talented Whitney Braun. She is back. I'm delighted she can be here with us for this I wouldn't want to do it without her. I'm glad she's not going to miss it. We've got a lot to talk about. I'm so excited. Let's begin. Welcome back to the Star Rock Murders with Andy Hale. Bonus episode two. DNA results are in. Today is the day we've all been waiting for. I am so excited to talk about this. Whitney, are you there? I am here. Seatbelt is fastened. I am so ready for this ride. Is your seatbelt fastened? It is fastened. It is cinched, and I am ready for this. <laughs> okay, I want to make sure. So I'm going to jump right into this. I'm so excited. I got goosebumps. You know, everybody knows we've been waiting for DNA results to come in. It got delayed. You know, it was supposed to be three months ago. We finally got him in. Let me just cut to the chase right now. There was a hair found on the left index finger of Mrs. Murphy's glove. Let me pause. Her left index finger was also the finger that was cut. Remember, she had the missing fingertip. So that's significant. And uh, that hair was tested. And there was a male profile found, str DNA testing, you know, it's nuclear DNA testing. It's amazing we could even get a result on anything after 60 plus years. I mean, it's amazing. That male profile is not Chester Weger. He is excluded. 
That is not his hair on Mrs. Murphy's glove, her left index finger. That is huge. I could scream from the top of the tallest mountain and jump for joy. It is so significant, and I'm so excited about it. We're going to talk about this some more, but what I also want to say here now is there was a bunch of other evidence we tried to get nuclear DNA testing for. Other hairs, some hairs found on Mrs. Odin's fingers, some hairs found in the cave. There were some cigarette butts and some twine. I wanted to get results on all that, obviously, but there was not enough genetic material due to the age of all this evidence to get nuclear DNA testing. So we couldn't get any results from those other items. But we've got the hair on Ms. Murphy's glove, the left index finger that excludes Chester. Whitney, what do you say to all that? I mean, okay, I have to I have to pause and just kind of decompress here emotionally because when you told me about this case, this is now going on exactly four years since you brought me into this fold. And I hoped for this day But I was always living at this fear in the back of my mind that none of this physical evidence could be tested. And now you have come back with information that there is something that could be tested, but but that something is to me the most critical piece of evidence in the entire case, the hair on the finger that is such a point of contention in this entire case. I mean, How did that hair get there? That's not just a random hair that floated through the air and landed on that finger. That hair is so significant and it's not Chester's. Like I can scream this from a rooftop as well. It's not his. So if it is not his, this case falls apart. The state's case falls apart right now. Absolutely. And let me dovetail on what you said, because I agree a thousand percent with everything you've said. If we go back and look, remember in 1960, remember the Wash U, the Washington University Medical School report, they took a hair and they compared it to Chester and the three victims. Remember this? Yes. Yes. And they said it was dissimilar. That was a hair found on the left index finger of Mrs. Murphy's glove. There were hairs found on that glove. There wasn't just one. It's not like this is just a random hair that was clinging to her glove. You know, this, by all indications, what this clearly appears to be is hairs on the left index finger of Mrs. Murphy's glove from one of the killers who is there, who is, you know, touching her and over her. And that's where these hairs are from. And so, like you say, it's super significant that this is a hair from the left index finger of Miss Murphy's glove. That's probably the most important you know, piece of evidence in the whole case. And it's amazing. I'll say it again. It's amazing that we could get DNA testing on this. And it's amazing that we could do it. And it came back and it excludes Chester Weger. So let me first give you my take. And then we'll kind of deal with the the naysayers kind of like Mm -hmm. arguments. My take. And I'll let you then say your take, okay? (laughs) This is the final piece of the puzzle. This is checkmate. This is game over. This proves the case that Chester Weger had nothing to do with these Star Rock murders. It's not just the hair, although I would make this argument on the hair alone. The hair is the final, you know, just the final nail in the coffin. 
You take the hair on the glove that's not Chester. You take the woman who reached out to say her grandfather picked the guys that went down to Starve Rock to kill these three women because one of the husbands wanted their wife killed. You combine that with what the man from Hennepin said, same thing, husband wanted his wife killed, Smokey Rona's involved. And then you take the telephone operator, remember, Lois Zelensek, we've got a call from a payphone uh, from a bar owned by Glenn Palmatier to William Palmatier. Kids got the bloody overalls to the trunk of the car, get rid of them, burn them. All these scenarios are premeditation, multiple people, and it's not Chester Weger. And here's the most important part, I think, about the woman who reached out. Not only did she say it was a mob hit, right? She said her grandfather was so upset because the guy in prison didn't do it. You know, I mean, yeah. it's not Chester Weger. Of course it's not. Chester Weger's not in the mob. They're not picking Chester Weger to be part of this. So all, and I'm, and I'm not even arguing right now, all the other things we've kind of dissected on the podcast about the confession makes no sense. There's all the factors of a false confession in this case, like we talked about, right? The twine was misrepresented. I mean, we blew apart the entire case. We were just waiting for this moment. And this is the cherry on top of the Sunday. It's game over, Whitney. It is game over. I agree it's game over. So I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. And I'm going to say, I'm a person who still believes a hypothetical person, right? This is not me, Whitney speaking. This is me, Whitney, representing the hypothetical person on the street who says, well, okay, so that's not Chester's hair, but that doesn't mean Chester wasn't still there. What say you to that? Well, I mean, how many times are we going to keep moving the goalpost? I mean, we're going to change the whole story. Yeah. We're going to change the whole story. I mean, the Chester Uyghur story, the confession that they coerced from him is that it's this botched robbery and mm -hmm. he killed these women. Okay. Now, if you want to say, oh, Chester's there with somebody else, uh, and this is the hair from the somebody else, is that what we're going to say now? I go back to what the woman said about her grandfather and it being a mob hit and the telephone op and the, the Zelensek memo and the man from Hennepin. I mean, none of that's Chester Uyghur. I mean, anybody who wants to argue it's still Chester Weaker is not living in a world based on facts, logic, and common sense. I mean, anybody who wants to now say it's Chester Weaker is just ignoring every, all the evidence in the case. I mean, you cannot have a debate with somebody like that because they're just ignoring things. So I don't think there's any argument about that, that Chester Weaker was there with somebody else. That's, that's been blown to pieces in my mind. It has for me too. And I think I just, I just want to reiterate to the listener. I think what's so important to me about this piece of this evidence is that for years, for 62 years, people could make conjecture about what happened. They could say, well, he probably was there. He probably wasn't there. He, maybe he did it with someone else. The state presented this case. If it was just one lone guy, it was just Chester working by himself. Now we have a piece of science right? Now we have a piece of science of irrefutable evidence that has been tested by a lab, nuclear DNA. It's, it's incontrovertible. You can sink your teeth into this. It's not Chester's hair. And if you do want to make that argument that, oh, well, maybe Chester was there. To me, I completely agree with you. It's like, you know, you're banging your head against the wall at that point because no, he wasn't. But even if he was, the most important point to me is that 
the state presented the case as Chester was a lone assailant. So someone else was clearly there. If someone else was clearly there, their case falls apart regardless. It didn't go down the way they said, and the way it went down makes the most sense if you follow the chain of events that we've outlined in in the podcast. And, And let me kind of play devil's advocate to what you just said. If Chester's there, then he's part of it, right? Then he's, he's responsible yeah. as well. So that doesn't really do Chester any good to make the argument that, oh, you know, maybe I was there with somebody else. Well, then he's an accomplice and he's just as guilty as everybody else. So the state would say, you know, we're not going to exonerate this guy because, you know, he could have been there with somebody else. So my point is anybody who wants to argue now that Chester was there what they're doing is they're ignoring everything we've talked about, Whitney, for, for 15 episodes. You're ignoring the Zelensek memo. So explain to me how Chester Weger fits in with the Zelensek memo and the Palmateer brothers. You're ignoring everything the woman said about her grandfather saying he picked the five or six guys that went down there to kill these ladies. And Chester Weger was innocent and was a patsy, was a fall guy. You know, you're ignoring that. And now you're ignoring the fact that there's a hair found on Mrs. Murphy's left index finger that was cut. That's not Chester Weegers. You cannot make an argument, Whitney. I mean, anybody arguing Chester Weegers still involved is simply ignoring the facts and is living in fantasy world. I mean, that's just what it is. You have to say there's no explanation for the Zelensek memo. That's a fact. That's a document, right? And all you could say about the woman with the, her grandfather is that she's lying and she's making it up. And you know what? I have an advantage because I met her face to face and I spent time with her and I saw her and I saw her cry and I saw her body shake and I saw how emotional she was. And I know all the details. She gave me the name of her grandfather. She gave me all the details. It is legit. It is true. What people want to do, Whitney, people will continue to isolate things and say, what about the plane flying overhead? It's like, no, 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 no. We're not going to talk about any of that nonsense. We're going to talk about the Zelensek memo, the man from Hennepin, and the woman who said her grandfather was in the mob and picked these guys to kill this lady, and the fact that DNA exonerates him. It's a DNA exoneration. It's evidence on the glove of Mrs. Murphy. It's huge evidence from the crime scene. I mean, let me say this. In 1960, the state took a hair from the very same glove of Mrs. Murphy, from the left index finger, and what did they do? They sent it to WashU to be tested. Why? Because it was a significant piece of evidence tied directly to the crime scene. And you know what? They were hoping it was Chester Weger. That's why they tested it. If they thought it was some rando hair that had nothing to do with anything, they wouldn't have tested it. It's, it's the only one we've seen tested. And it came back not to Chester Weger. And so you know what? They didn't have to disclose it because Brady versus Maryland wasn't decided yet. And so they just kind of buried it in a file. But now that we've done this nuclear DNA testing, I mean, I'm sorry, Whitney, I I just, I could just go on and on, but the case is over. The case is over. If you look at all the facts, I'm sorry, it's just, it's done. So let me, let me ask you this. You got to share this information with Chester. What was the reaction from Chester, from his family? I mean, how do you react to something like this after this many years? It's a couple things. The family is obviously really excited about this. Chester is uh, also, you know, glad to hear it. Not surprised. None of us are surprised. 
I mean, I yeah. knew this hair wasn't going to be Chester Uyghurs. I mean, I, I, I wasn't at all surprised by this result. It was just a necessary step we had to take. Here's the thing, though, Whitney, and I think people understand this if they've listened to episode 14 when I interviewed Chester. Chester lost his whole life, Whitney. He's 83. Mm -hmm. They took 60 plus years of his life. Is he supposed to now do a cartwheel and be so excited like, oh, yay. He's known he's innocent his whole life. His life is basically, you know, almost over. They took it from him. They stole it. So he's not going to be the one like, you know, it's not like break open the champagne. In fact, what it is now, Whitney, to me, it's sad. It's actually really sad. It's sadness and anger for me because it's just a validation of what happened to him, that they framed him. They built a case against him intentionally. They, they took his whole life from him. And it's not like a jump for joy moment for the Uyghur family. Yes, he wants to exonerate himself. Yes, he wants his reputation back. Yes, he wants everybody to know he didn't have anything to do with it. But the reality is he's 83 years old. And, 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 and it took everything from him, Whitney. And it affected not only him, but the whole family, the Uyghur family tree, you know, his kids and their kids. I mean, so it's just, it's like I said, I'm thrilled about the result. I'm excited about it, but it's sad and it makes me angry. But it's a big step because we have been on this mission to prove Chester Uyghur had nothing to do with it. We've now proven the case, period, period. Let me say this. I think people are going to have this question. They're going to want to know, can you put that hair? Can you find out who it is? The answer is we're going to try. Let me explain. There's some technical issues with that. There's a national database called CODIS, and you can put DNA into the CODIS database and see if you get a hit. Somebody has to have their DNA in the CODIS database for there to be a match. So here, one complication is, this is from 1960. Somebody may not have their DNA put in a CODIS database just because of the age of the case. Here's another potential complication. Even though we know this profile on the glove of Mrs. Murphy, this hair is a male profile that is not Chester Uyghur, that means it's not the victim's hair, right? Because it's a male profile. But technically under the statute, you have to get profiles of the victims and formally exclude those victim profiles from the sample one in order to submit it into the CODIS database. It's like this little technical step. We don't know yet. Our next step is we're going to take the hair from the three women and we're going to try to develop nuclear DNA profiles for them so that we can say, okay, here's the final little technical step. The male DNA does not match those victims' DNA. The problem is we don't know yet if we're going to be able to get a nuclear profile for each of the three women. We don't know yet. I hope we will. I think we will, but we don't know yet. So we've got to kind of take it one step at a time. I'm hoping regardless that the state just says, hey, let's put it into the CODIS database regardless, right? It's a search for the truth. It's a search for justice. Let's see if we get a match. What if we match it up to somebody who's already a person of interest? What if we match it up to somebody with known mob contacts? You know, I mean, there's genealogy databases. So I want everybody to know this. We're not done here. We have a lot more work to do in terms of, you know, we now want to try to find out whose hair this is. Absolutely. What I want people to know is that's going to be a process. 
That could take weeks. It could take a month. It could take more. We don't know. But what I want people to know today, today is this DNA exonerated Chester Uyghur, and it is absolutely huge. It's so monumental. I mean, this information, when you first told me about it, I, I couldn't sleep. I mean, I just, I just laid awake all night thinking about exactly what you said, which is you don't pop the cork on the bottle of champagne on this. You, I just kind of sat there with sort of a, a melancholy feeling because I thought, it's not him. How do you make right this wrong? How do you undo 62 years of a guilty verdict, of being a pariah, of, of the fallout affecting your family? Like you, It just, I, it's this weird mix of emotion for me of like 50% celebratory sentiment and 50% utter depression, knowing you can't undo this. You can't, can't undo this. So let's just say, you know, the, 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 the satisfactory ending to this is, is we use one of these genealogy databases and we find a third cousin living in central Illinois who matches this hair sample and we work backwards and we go, oh, it's this guy and he's a known associate of Smokey Rona. Boom. We know who severed that finger, right? Now we know who was in the cave. That will be so supremely satisfying because we want to know answers but it doesn't give Chester his life back. And nothing will. That's, that's yeah. the thing. Nothing will. But let me make this point, which I think is important. For purposes of what we are doing in a post-conviction setting, our burden is not to solve the case. My burden is not to prove who did it. My mission and my burden was to prove that Chester Weger didn't do it. Okay? That case has been proven. That, I mean, I'll give a closing argument to anybody, anytime, and go through an hour of facts. And the case has been made that Chester Weger had nothing to do with the Starbuck murders. And not only that, everybody knew it, and he was framed. This is intentional misconduct, in my opinion. They put a guy in prison as a patsy, and they knew it wasn't him, and they ignored all this other evidence. But having said that, yes, I want to solve it. Absolutely. I want to know who did it. I want justice to be served, even though that's not my burden. I want the real people to be found out. And, and, and I don't know if there's, you know, everybody's going to probably be dead. Maybe not. Who knows? Maybe not. I'd love to solve it if we could. And I still think, you know, I, I think of the victims' families, okay? I struggle with this because I understand they have lived their whole life believing Chester Weger killed, you know, their grandmother, you know, um, and I get that. And I, I just hope the family can be open-minded to all these facts, facts and evidence that shows that's not the case. And I do want closure. I really do want closure. And I don't think closure is going to come, full closure, total closure, until we can actually solve it. And I want to say one more thing, and I've said it before. I cannot overstate how huge it was, this woman who just reached out about her grandfather. I mean, we tend to have that conversation, and then we move on and we talk about other things. It's like, no, 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 no. Let's keep on topic here. Let's keep talking about this. 
I mean, everything she says, there's so much context and detail that it is a mob hit. And her grandfather picked out the guys who did it. And on his deathbed, he wanted her to know that the guy in prison didn't do it. I mean, oh my God, it is absolutely, I mean, she's my hero. Lois Selensek and the woman who reached out and the man from Hennepin, these people have nothing to gain. And everything they have said is consistent with all the evidence in the case. Everything we've been saying in this podcast, Whitney. And I just cannot believe we've come to where we are today. It's been an amazing, amazing journey. Yeah. It's an amazing journey that is just not over yet, though, is it? It's not over yet. I feel like this is a, a stopping point on the road to pause and reflect. But to your point, not legally speaking, but just emotionally speaking, I'm not going to feel satisfied. I'm not going to feel like there's closure until we figure out whose hair that actually is. I'm with you. Let me also explain everybody out there kind of uh, logistics of how things work now. In light of this DNA evidence that I think exonerates Chester Weger, I have already made a request to the Will County State's Attorney's Office to meet face-to-face so I can make my case and present my case, my closing argument, that Chester Weger is innocent and had nothing to do with the Starbrack murders. The Will County State's Attorney's Office has the authority. They could vacate Chester Weger's conviction today. They could do it themselves today. It's their decision. Okay? I hope they do the right thing. I hope that they do the right thing. There's only one thing that can be done and that needs to be done. Chester Weger's conviction needs to be vacated today. Today. And I'm hoping the Will County State's Attorney's Office does the right thing. If they don't agree with me, then we'd have to go to court and file something with the courts, you know, a post-conviction petition, and we'd have to basically litigate that issue and a judge will decide. And, you know, if we got to go that route, we will. And we'll fight it every single day, however long it takes. That'd be the long road. That'd be the long way. I'm hoping that justice prevails because everything we need to know, we already know. We don't need to know the identity of the real killer in order to vacate Chester Weger's conviction. What we do know today, what we do know in light of all this evidence, not just the DNA, is Chester Weger had nothing to do with these murders. That is just crystal clear to me. I feel like uh, there's really just nothing more to say, right? It's not Chester. It's not Chester. 62 years And we can say now definitively, it's not Chester. This is not conjecture. No. And I'm happy. I'm thrilled. I'm excited. Don't get me wrong. I I am. This DNA result is so big. It's so big. and And I'm thrilled for Chester and his family. But I understand there's still a fight here ahead of us. And we're going to keep fighting until Chester Uyghur's conviction is vacated. And we're going to keep investigating until we can solve the case because I absolutely want to solve it. And I'm convinced there's more evidence to come. I think there's more people out there that know things. I'm hoping we get some more tips and information. I'm hoping we can get this hair submitted to the CODIS database and maybe some genealogy databases. And I hope we can start connecting the dots. 
because I think we're getting really, really close to actually solving the case. And I think we're going to have another episode, Whitney. Um, I think we're going to have another episode, bonus number three, sometime down the road, hopefully sooner rather than later. And we will continue this discussion. But for now, for purposes of today, the hair on Miss, the left index finger of Mrs. Murphy's glove is not Chester Weger. Huge, huge, huge. Like we've said before, you can bury the dead, but you can't bury the truth. And we just got another piece of the truth today. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Star of Rock Murders with Andy Hale. And thanks for joining us on this road trip of a journey for justice. What an amazing road trip it has been. And what an incredible journey it has been on our way to justice. And we are not, not only knocking on the door of justice, we're, we're kicking it open at this point. It was a huge episode today. The DNA results that exonerate Chester Weger. I cannot overstate how significant that is. But we're not done. We want to find out who actually committed these horrible crimes. We're still digging. We're still investigating. So if there's anybody out there that knows anything, any information, there's nothing that's too small. Please reach out. We still need your help. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. This episode was produced in collaboration with Phineas Ellis, design, content, and promotion by Bell and Ivy, and hosted by myself and Whitney Braun. We'll see you next time.